You're listening to Modded. Today's episode, we're speaking with JT Tang, and we are at location at Tom Six Garage, chilling and relaxing on Sunday. So JT, I wanted to get a little bit of background uh, from you. So where are you originally from? Um, originally, I'm from here, born in Houston. Uh, I grew up off of 610 and Stella Link. Uh, it was pretty rough back then. We lived in apartments for a while with uh, all my siblings. That's still a rough part of town nowadays, isn't it? Uh, so 610 Stella Link? Yeah, I mean, it's still rough, but they're, uh, I guess they're getting better because every time I drive by, it's like uh, not as dirty with um, trash and shit everywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. And what's your family background? Uh, my parents are old. Uh, my dad passed away back in 2012. You know, my mom's still here. Uh, we're Cambodian and Thai. Um, five brothers, two sisters. I'm the youngest. Mm, growing up, uh, my parents didn't have regular jobs. We uh, farmed. Uh, well, my parents did until we got old enough to help them with it. Um, sold to like local, you know, Asian markets like Hong Kong, uh, restaurants and stuff. Um, I mean, that's how they made their living because they didn't really speak good English. Mm-hmm. They just knew a lot of people that did farming, so that's why they did it too. Yeah, I think that's something that people that aren't <clears throat> from Houston aren't aware of is that farming is still a big part of the it's a part of the culture, the um, immigrant culture here. Yeah. Because a lot of people are coming over with no kind of like a technical knowledge or um, higher education, and farming is still a big part of the culture that they come from. So there are like farming assistance programs that help people get stabilized in the community and like you said, um, farm here in town and sell and do the things that they're used to still from, from the uh, countries that they came from. Right. But um, how did you, what was your history like with, with cars? Like how did it all start for you? Um, as far back as I can remember, uh, so I'm the youngest, you know, I have four older brothers. Um, I want to say my middle brother, he, uh, so this is me growing up in Rocheron now. Okay, fast forward. I'm in ele- uh, elementary going to junior high. And at this time, we moved into pretty much a neighborhood where it was nothing but Cambodian, Laos, you know, Thai, uh, Vietnamese. Um, first time I've ever seen a fixed up car was in the neighborhood I grew up in which was in Rocheron. Uh, a lot of Civics, a lot of Integras. You know, Accord was the thing back in the day. Uh, but yeah, my older brother, all his friends, they were into street racing and hanging out with my brother for the first time took me to a place Everybody knew back then was T-Works uh, off in a Scarsdale and uh, where they uh, hosted a, a Counter-Strike lock-in and they had a car meet 
and that's what pretty much started it for me. Um, but that wasn't part of like the whole T works scene. It was just like they were holding <clears throat> Counter Strikes and Boba. Yeah. But guys who were in the cars were also meeting there. Yep. Uh, from there, that was my first car meet, and then you know as you know the months or years go by, it progressed. I want to say like back in 2003 or 2004, first time I went to Westheimer with my older brother and his friends, and uh, I got a good taste of street racing. And from there, it was like, damn, this is adrenaline rush. Was your brother driving at the time? Was he? Uh, he had a car, but wasn't modded. All his friends had cars that were modded. So whenever we went, we didn't go street racing. Well, I didn't go street racing with my brother. We were just there to hang out. But we did see all his friends go street race. Um, you know, whatever street that was in between warehouses. I don't want to give location too much, but it was pretty big back then. And it was all about racing. And you were saying earlier when we were talking um, that it, it was pretty aggressive and things were turning to fights more oftentimes than not. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, car clubs back then weren't just car clubs. There were uh, gangs and, uh, you know, everyone had their territory and, you know, this is my part of town. If you come race here, it's going to be problems because uh, my first race, actual race that I seen was someone racing for money after the race it was a big brawl because of person didn't want to pay up or just because you know hey this this is their territory and we came and beat whoever and that was it i mean it was crazy really crazy and you said that guys were calling one another out but this was back in the days of like forums and that's how people were kind of communicating <laughs> let, letting everyone everyone know like what this guy was driving or like what happened the night before like that was a different time back then wasn't it oh yeah uh man you know i was i was so young i didn't know anything about it um i just remember going to uh my brother's friend's house one day we went to go eat after we ate is he got on his computer and you know aol aim you know was uh the big thing and you know me hanging out with uh, my brother's friends, you know, they're all, we're all Asian. You know, I, I really didn't hang out with anybody or any other culture outside uh, until like high school. Uh, so like uh, Asian Avenue, Zanga, I mean, uh, people posted up stuff on there. Like, hey, you know, there's a meet, this meet up, race, whatever. But... Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess that's how they communicated or knew where people were going to be at. One of the things that I spoke to um, Chris Montano about, he has an NSX that's getting a, a wide body kit put on. Mm -hmm. uh, he said that when he was in it back in the day, uh, it was like you said, it was about racing and a lot of people were just talking shit to one another. And it wasn't like this kind of friendly, like touchy-feely thing that people are experiencing nowadays. He's like, he misses that because it was more of like, I'm gonna call you out, we're gonna race. I'm like, we're just gonna, gonna throw money down and see who's really the best. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all I remember too. Uh, 
it wasn't no friendly grudge match. It was winner takes all, and you were gonna if you lose, you're gonna be known as a fucking loser for the rest of the year until you fucking came out with something better or faster. But uh, that also led to like people getting arrested, you know, at that time. And you know, these guys are like my age now, you know, you know, late twenties, early thirties, you know, and they have families and them getting arrested for street racing doesn't make any sense when you have a kid at home, you know, you gotta take care of her, you know, family shit. So how were the cops back then with you guys street racing? Man, it was crazy. Uh, it was really crazy, man. Like, uh, everyone back then, all their cars were loud. No one was quiet. So everywhere we went, it was, uh, it was, uh, we attracted, uh, you know, bad attention. So cops over there, they, uh, it's just kind of like, you know, how, like, uh, the social media blows the shit up. So back then, it was like, no one had the idea of, hey, take your phone out, record what's going on. So cops back then was like, they didn't give a fuck. They were like, come out the fucking car, whoop your ass, take your shit, beat your shit up, take your fucking money, you know, shit like that. So your friends had stuff like that happen to them? Uh, my brother's friends, yeah. Yeah. What is it that, uh got you to choose Honda as a platform that you're going to start out with? Well, growing up, uh, I mean, that's all I saw, really. Uh, we didn't have much money, so I guess Honda was like the cheapest way to go to build an import to be fast. And, uh, you know, parts are everywhere. So that's the only reason I stuck with it. Plus, I guess this is my kind of my 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 go-to i guess is hondas because i've known it for so long do you feel like guys in um in the honda community get a bad rap because it always seems like whenever you think of a person who's a ricer or, or a guy that's like got some kind of piece of crap car or what you what people make fun of on social media it's always a honda it's always something to do with a honda uh yeah uh hondas do get bad raps it's uh it's nothing new. It's been going on for years, you know, even in the domestic world. Uh, no domestic wants to get beat by a four-cylinder. So uh, I'm pretty sure all those, some of those domestic guys start with a Honda too, and it was just like, you know what, this is not for me. Uh, but it comes down to like, you know, real parts or fake parts, quality shit. Uh, but yeah, Honda for getting a bad rap, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's normal. I think it's expected. What do you think, um, what do you think the definition of a ricer is? That's something that we, uh, we've talked about before. A lot, of, a lot of people have brought that up. It's like, what does being a ricer mean? Uh, being a ricer means being Tom Sick in his S2000. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, fuck, dude, being a ricer, is really personality. Uh, I guess you can be called a ricer because you don't have quality parts, or your shit's not, you know, put together well, not painted, you know, loud as fuck. Just don't give a shit. But you know, we all come, you know, from different backgrounds. So I mean, we, I was a ricer back then. I had uh, a CRX that I fucking rice the fuck out. Uh, so my brother-in-law. 
was in the Marines. And he came back home and brought a 91 CRX SI. Uh, it was red, nice paint. You know, it had fucking uh, real wheels. And at that time, I didn't know where Mugen MF8s. And uh, I sold that shit for, I forgot what I did with it, but I sold it for super cheap. Had a Mugen steering wheel that was real. Sold it because I thought it was ugly. But back then, dude, I didn't know anything. You know, I just got a car, had a car, and fucking just did it the way I like it. There was no social media back then, you know what I mean? It was all about street racing. So what I did was I sold shit for engine mods. And pretty much that's all I did, man. I didn't think about, uh, uh, you know, looks or quality. It was kind of just, hey, let's go out. Let's go have fun. Let's go street racing. Do you, well, do you feel like a lot of that is, is being lost nowadays? Because it seems like a lot of people... From what we see, and this it might just be like a generalization, like we see that people do stuff for uh, for likes rather than for expressing themselves. Although some people are going to claim that I'm just doing this for myself, from blah 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 blah. It seems like a lot of that is still it's still phony because of the fact that we have Instagram and we are posting mm -hmm. constantly and things like that. But what do you think? What do you think has caused that? I mean, other than other than Instagram, like, do you think that it's just because of Instagram? Uh, yeah, mostly, dude. Everyone does it for likes. People do it just because they want attention. Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's just my opinion. But uh, people could say elsewise, like, oh, I just do it because I like to do it. And if I get followers or likes because of it, that's cool, too. Let's talk about um, what are you driving now? Go into the details of your build. Uh, I drive a 1994 Honda Civic Hatchback. DX, originally automatic, fucking that ugly Aztec green or teal green. Uh, it's funny because I bought that from Tom for 600 bucks. And uh, my plan was to make it a clean daily because at that time I needed to save money. Mm -hmm. And then I said, fuck it, just turn it to a project car that I want. Fully gutted, took everything out myself in the garage at home. Every day after work for about three weeks or about a month until it was bare fucking metal. And then uh, got it painted in and out, uh, built my single cam, put it back in, uh, and then uh, originally it was supposed to be a simple track build, but you know, knowing me and the people I hang out with, Especially fucking Tom and, you know, Ducky, Doe being an ex-five-star member. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I had to do a little more, and but still have that clean look. So, now I'm here. What drove you to do track rather than just a show car build? Or how some people do, like they do a track-inspired kind of build. Like why, why the track? Oh, uh, why track? Man, dude, because I was tired of fucking... Uh, you know, driving low, you know, fucking scraping everywhere, spending stupid money on tires every fucking few months, you know, flipping it, trying to save, you know, tread here and there. But no, um, my previous hatch, my black SI that got featured back in 2011 for Super Street, 
um, that was going to be my track car. Um, I had put a full custom cage in it, did the ITR file conversion. Um, this is back in 2010, 2011. Um, at that time, after I got the feature, uh, I wanted to do track because I've always followed um, uh, Japan's, uh, you know, Kanjo style street slash racer or whatever. And uh, when all that was going on with my black hatch, um, at that time I finally got engaged. So we moved out of our apartment, stayed at my in-laws to save money for the wedding. So everything was put on hold. You know, I didn't expect it to take that long, but it took a long time. And uh, once we got married, I was like, hey, let's, you know what, I'm gonna get back to my project. A couple months down the road after we got married, I found out my wife was pregnant. So that project completely stopped. I had to save money for that. And then being with my in-laws, was tough because you know it was um, you know we're not in our own space so we had to save money to get our own place and for me to do that or for us to get our own place was I had to sell everything I had and uh, that's a sacrifice that I made with my wife and she promised me that I can hey pick back another project after we get our own place and that's what I did you know, we got our own place. The daughter was born, i say about like six months or to a year after we got settled in. You know, I got the green light to go buy another project and that's what I did. How do you find the balance then between having your, your family and then this passion that you have for building your car? Because some, I know some significant others aren't as receptive to it, or I guess it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't even get that far because it interferes, it plays a big role in the relationship, just the amount of money and the amount of time that we're spending doing this. Oh yeah, man, definitely. It's a, you know, it's really, it's just compromise. Like, uh, so I've been with my wife six years now and uh, she's very, uh, you know, um, supportive and things I, I like to do. But at the same time, it's like, you know, she wants to have, you know, a nice vacation. You know, she wants to have nice things. So, like, how I feel is if she takes care of me, I'll take care of her. So, it's all about compromise, man. Uh, I'm sure she doesn't like that I spend so much money on my car. But at the same time, I know how much I spend. And I know how much I can save. And we can, like, you know, balance everything out with, like, the house note, the fucking car notes. You know, insurance, phone, food, you know, the daughter. Um, you know, I know I know there's a lot of people out there that that that's that are together, that have kids together, that uh don't have their own place, but still manage, you know, the person still managed to like, hey, have money saved plus work on his car. I mean, anyone can do it. You just gotta put forth the effort, you know. Why is it that you, I mean, why is it that you're putting forth the effort? Like, what drives you to do this? Why? I mean, really, is you don't want to let your wife down. You don't want to let your kid down. Uh, I mean, my hobbies are just a hobby. 
it's it's not priority to me. So, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, you get kind of like burnt out, stressed out from work, working all fucking day, all year, and you kind of want to do something that's relaxing, you know, a stress reliever. And this is pretty much my stress reliever. Uh, not saying spending money is stress relieving, but like, you know, getting my hands dirty, you know, staying up all night, talking to the boys, you know, just having fun, building something that you like, you know, something that you can show for and that you can drive and just, you know, hey, fucking he did that. So do you think that the car as it is now has, has taught you any lessons so that you've learned a lot from it? Oh, definitely, man. Uh, from my first car to this car, definitely quality, man. Um, it's like, you know, you get for what you pay for. You, you buy cheap shit, it's going to break on you later. Spend the extra money, you know, just because it costs, you know, a few hundred bucks more doesn't mean that it's quality, but at the same time, putting it together with quality is going to make it, you know, a big difference. Yeah, it definitely goes along with, with anything. I remember one of the things that my dad uh, used to say was like, uh, is that thing that, that you have, like, is it heavy? Like a watch, let's say. Yeah. Is that thing heavy? Yeah, it's probably expensive. No, it's probably quality. You know, things yeah. like that, little, little shit. But mm-hmm. it, goes into, it goes into wheels, too. I know that's always been a big discussion about real wheels, quality <clears throat> wheels, yeah. the amount of money that you're spending on them. Do you think that a lot of that is lost in the younger generation? Um, I don't think it's lost. I just don't, I think that they don't know. You know what I mean? I think they're not, they don't put the effort in, like, um, doing their research. I mean, that, that's just my opinion, because there's a lot of people out there that be like, hey, you know, I don't have the money, but I want wheels. And they go to shows or go to meets, and they expect people to, like, oh, my God, your car is clean or whatever. Like, honestly, in my opinion, like, if you have fake wheels, I'm not going to look twice at your car. That's just me. If you have fake parts in your car, I'm not going to look twice. Because anybody can do it. Of course, it's half the price of the real stuff. And just because you have real shit doesn't mean that it's... I mean, you have to put it... You have to put quality work in your car. There's a lot of cars out there that I see that's... Uh, um, well, in my opinion, just picture quality good. But when you see it in person, it's like, what the... You know? Shit's not put on right. Shit's missed the line, you know. And pictures, big difference on Instagram. So, yeah. So then you think that some of it is like building it for picture quality versus building it for quality in general? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I mean, I don't want nobody to get all butthurt listening to this, but uh, I feel like it's that way. Because uh, I see... Some cars I see in person, man, I'm just like, I mean, how do you get 10,000 followers with this kind of stuff? But, hey, they don't go nowhere but just take pictures in the garage or just go out to shoots. What's, um, you do a lot of the work yourself then? Yeah. Uh, the only thing I really don't touch is, like, paint because I don't have time or space for that shit. Uh, you know, all the mechanic stuff, maintenance I pretty much do myself unless it's like a tranny rebuild or, you know, some kind of tuning issue, stuff like that. But everything is all me, man. Uh, 
me, Tom, my good friend Andy. You know, any any questions I have, I go to them. Uh, in dealing with shops and like the few times that you have, have you had any ne negative experiences with them at all? Uh, shops, negative experience, yes. Um, I'm not that type of guy to put people on blast, uh, so I'm not. But um, yeah, I've I've had multiple bad experience with shops. Uh, some local, some not. Um, some online. Uh, so it's just lesson learned for me. Just once someone gives you, you know, bad uh, response or a negative response, then that's just me. I just don't go back. You know, what I mean, you're not you're not gonna get my business. And and for me to 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 do that is a big thing because I know a lot of people still go back to just because of you know the price or whatever but price or reputation right I guess, exactly yeah. exactly yeah we talked about it before uh, on the podcast with some of the guests it's like there'll be shops that have a big name or they seem to have a big name because of the types of cars that they deal with right and the people that are there but it means nothing when it comes down to the work being done. Oh, At yeah. the end of the day, it's always going to be the work being done, regardless mm -hmm. of price. Because, of course, if, you, if you're going to have good work, yeah. you'll pay a price. That's fine. As you know, long as it's good. The, the, the bad part is, you know, like, I don't mind paying um, more or less. It just all depends on communication, you know. Like, I hate being lied to. That's one thing about me, you know, taking my shit to other people's shops or you know just dealing with any any kind of hey i want to work on your car or i want to do this or that and i'm like man can i trust you like i i i want to trust people that way but it's so hard cuz everyone wants your business you know they got to have they got to have you know people with big followings you know like imagine if you know tom sick was uh had a car that got painted, right? And they're a small shop and they were like, hey, Tom, I want you to uh, put a sticker on your car with my shop on it. And I want you to tell people that I did your work. But if you're not gonna do a good job and lie about, you know, prices or the things you did to it, because uh, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm not, I, I'm not going to put a sticker on my car just because you did the work. You know, it has to be like good quality and it has to be good people. You know what I mean? Because you might do a good job for me, but if I bring in five people, are you going to take care of them too? That's going to be me, not you. That's you, be your you're, word, yeah. you're still getting paid, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, that's one of the big ones. And I guess uh, in closing, it out what are some of the lessons I mean from things that you've learned that you would want to tell people that are starting this now especially those and like specifically the Honda community like what would you tell them uh, lessons that you've learned in, in getting your car to the point that it is now and doing this for as long as you've been doing it uh damn man it's tough it's so much things that uh I can say but uh I guess the main thing is uh you know do your research man everyone has their trial and errors uh, but the main thing is save your money for quality parts, you know. These companies that are in Japan, um, 
you don't know them, but they might just be a mom and pop shop that, you know, make custom kits or custom wheels or something. Not custom, but, you know, high quality shit. Like, uh, I'll say like Volk Racing, man. They've been in this shit for a long time. And for other companies to replicate them for half the price is bullshit. Uh, you know, body kits, you know, engine parts. Just do your research, man. Uh, don't just buy shit and just slap it on just because, you know, you think other people might think it looks cool. But, I mean, I can't say anything. So, it's your car. Build it the way you want it. So, yeah. I think that's definitely a valuable lesson for yourself and for nobody else. Something that falls short nowadays. People doing it. But I appreciate you sitting down and doing the podcast with me. Oh yeah. We'll definitely do it any other chance that we get. Mm-hmm.